That's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. of Zone Star State Swarm. It's a podcast for non-Division One basketball teams in Texas. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. We got D3 brackets came out yesterday for the men and women, and they gave us some surprises. We'll, we'll talk with talk with Riley's ass, figure out what we learned about D3 now and what, what is changing. Also, the Lone Star Conference is headed into the final week of the regular season. So we're going to give you some scenarios there and who needs what and who pretty much is guaranteed in right now. Break it all down for you here today. I'm Corey Hogue, the non-D1 insider for Dave Campbell's Texas Basketball. Find me on your favorite social media channels at Corey Hogue Sports. That's C-O-R-Y-H-O-G-U-E Sports. It's all one word. Find my work at TexasFootball.com. And if you want to see the basketball stuff, then go backslash basketball after you do the dot com. Joining me again is Riley Zayas. He's the man behind everything Division Three and everything Mary Harden Baylor at true to the crew.com. He's also got a newsletter out where he's focused on D3 and sports in Texas and in national as well. And let me tell you, he has been busy lately with these tournaments coming out, doing a great job. Subscribe to his newsletters at D3 Texas dot substack.com find riley on social media his personal page is at zayas riley z-a-y-a-s-r-i-l-e-y that is also one word and you can find his stuff on mary harden baylor at true to the crew across all the social media platforms riley it was a fantastic week of basketball Last weekend, upsets galore all throughout the SCAC and the ASC tournaments. You were watching all of it. I was in Abilene seeing, just watching the SCAG. Just, I mean, we were all watching that stuff. It, it was just tremendous television. But I want to talk about that men's final game and what a classic it was. If you haven't seen, Go to texasfootball.com backslash basketball. I put together kind of a breakdown of the last 17 seconds of that game. UT Dallas was down six points with 17.9 seconds left. Their chance to win was 0.6%, and they won. (laughs) And Riley, I think when I look back at that, 
to me, it was almost like the perfect storm. And if you're if you're a UT Dallas fan, you're like, sweet, everything worked in our favor, including some questionable calls and some close calls, right? Everything had to go in your favor, and it did for the Comets. It did not for Mary Hart and Baylor. Those two sides of the spectrum fully understand. If I'm one side, if I'm UTD, I'm like, that was great. If I'm Mary Harden Baylor, I'm upset, right? That's the way it is with sports, and I think that's why that game might have been one of the most improbable comebacks I've seen in person. Yeah, I mean, the words of, of Yogi Berra, I mean, it ain't over till it's over, right? And, and at that point, uh, UMHB's up by six, you know, 17 seconds left. It, it looks like UMHB is going to be able to hold on to that lead, right? Especially with the way the game had gone, with the way the last several minutes had gone, UMHB had really kind of taken control. And I would just add, I think what made it even more intense uh, was not only the, the way those final seconds played out, but the fact that both of those teams knew there was only going to be one team from the ASC going to the NCAA tournament, right? And so it was a win or go home game. Unlike in, in the SCAC, and again, I, it, Every time you play a conference tournament, people want to win. Uh, it means just as much. You never have a, a, a you know at-large big guaranteed. But for a team like Trinity or even St. Thomas to a degree, they knew that even a loss in the SCAC tournament would still give them the chance to get into the national tournament, and it did. Um, in the ASC, that wasn't the case. And so, so there was a lot of intensity, um, especially as that game got into the final seconds and, and as those plays unfolded. Because you're right, Corey, I mean, the – those last 17 seconds in a, in itself, I mean, you put together a fantastic piece highlighting that, and that's just the way basketball is, right? I mean, 17 seconds can write a 1,000-word story for you because of just how much goes into those those final, you know, plays um, down the stretch, the calls, um, you know, the strategy that's involved. And I think we saw all of that, uh, you know, in the, in the final seconds of this one. That's funny. It didn't give me quite a thousand words. It was about 700 is what that gave me. And then all the videos in there, right? Like right. Yeah. Uh, it really provided an in-depth piece. And you're right. That is 17 seconds of time that I put an entire column together on with, it went back in, in video and watched and enhanced and so many things, so many parts to that. And also there was a dynamic of, Mary Hart Baylor women's team was there. They were they were boisterous. They were cheering. Uh, you had the the Harden Simmons fans who did not want to see UMHB win. There were some of them that came back, especially after the way the men's game went, where Mary Hart Baylor beat Harden Simmons on Friday night in the semifinals. But then UT Dallas baseball team was playing Harden Simmons last weekend, and they finished what I heard was a very long doubleheader. Um, with a lot of runs scored by everyone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that UT Dallas, they came in and Raleigh, there was a minute or two left in the game. There wasn't much time. There, yeah. And they walked in and owned the place. And that place picked up at that time. And then to see everything kind of go and culminate with that last second shot the arena exploded. It was just incredible. In fact, I want to give a shout out to Harden Simmons. I want to give a shout out to Abilene. 
to Chad Grubbs, his entire staff at Hardin Simmons. They had baseball. They had bad. They ran two tournaments. Never been done before. Two ASC tournaments at the same site. They did it, and they did it phenomenally. They did it without flaws. It was absolutely excellent. Truly enjoyable. And I also want to give a shout out to the fans that came out there. The students of Hardin Simmons. Boy, did you make a difference. Uh, the fans, you that that place was darn near packed on Friday night, Riley. It it really was an atmosphere that I'm heading back this weekend, and I'm hoping I get some of that again, man. It, it, I need some of that. I I really hope that that that's the case. You know, I I wasn't there in person, Corey, but the Harden Simmons broadcast team did a great job of really uh, showing the crowd, um, you know, within the within the broadcast, and you could see there was a lot of emotion uh, from from the fans from from all sides, and hopefully we get a little bit of that this week. Some people, you know, make the trip from from Belton from San Antonio for. Mary Hart Baylor and Trinity women, along with the Harden Simmons faithful that will, will certainly be there. And yeah, I, I thought uh, just overall, it was a great, a great, uh, you know, tournament well run for, you know, the responsibilities of running the men's and women's tournaments, which is certainly not easy as you noted. And uh, would just add to, you mentioned UT Dallas baseball uh, team coming in there. You know, they were all like in, in uniform. Uh, you know, they were, you know, they walked yeah. literally right from the baseball uh, it, you know, in, into the maybe complex. And uh, it's cool to see, you know, that they were able to make that happen. They didn't come in with very much time to your point, but they made sure that in the time that they were there, they made a difference and, and they made their, you know, their presence known. They made a big difference. The only thing they changed were their shoes. That was all the, um, <laughs> they didn't come in with their spikes. They, they were full uniform. It was a great time. It was a lot of fun. Looking forward to this weekend. But before we get to the D3 women this weekend, Riley, both bracket reveals yesterday left us with some surprises. Uh, the the pundits weren't 100% right this time. And, and usually, let's face it, the reason why you're 100% right is because the NCAA is so darn predictable sometimes, right? So, hey, thank you for providing a little drama for us <laughs> and, and helping us think a little bit. And, and what we get is no surprise Trinity's hosting. We, we kind of knew they were. Centenary winning the SCAC. I think that is what changed this men's side because they flew St. Thomas up to or out to Cal Lutheran to face Claremont Mud Scripts. Uh, and then they've got Texas Dallas, of course, playing Trinity. I, I just, I feel like how, and we talked about it, how dangerous Centenary is at home. They end up winning it, and I think because they did, it totally changed how they set up that region. It really did. And a historical note on this, which I'm sure you saw, Corey, as well, first time since 1995 that the SCAC on the men's side has gotten three teams in the national tournament. Uh, I, I really do just want to note, I think this – speaks to the depth in the SCAC on the men's side. Uh, we saw Shriner make the big run last year uh, to win the whole thing. We saw Colorado College this year, you know, make it to the to the SCAC final. Centenary obviously uh, did what, what they do. They have a great team and playing, you know, at home certainly um, didn't hurt. You know, I, I think it's really cool to see the fact that the SCAC did get three in because 
face it, I mean, we're, we're used to a lot of these leagues here in Region 10 getting one bid. Uh, for, the, for them to have three with the AQ and then obviously two at-large bids is, is really notable. Um, you know, Trinity, you know, hosting, uh, they put Centenary there. I think they wanted to keep Trinity and St. Thomas from having to face each other uh, on the first weekend was kind of the impression that a lot of us got, uh, which is a good thing. I think if you can ever split up teams from the same conference and particularly teams there kind of go one, two, uh, St. Thomas obviously went two and O against Trinity uh, in the regular season. So I think that was a great move by the committee to send them out to Kowloon, uh, St. Thomas, and then bring Centenary to Trinity pod and Nebraska Wesleyan flies to San Antonio. So that's an interesting matchup too. Yeah, it, it is. And, being the Texas homer that I am, I'd like to see the Texas teams split up a little bit, not playing right. in the first round, Riley, because, you know, I, I want to see an all-Texas final. However, that wouldn't be guaranteed. Regardless, I get it. That's not how that works. Uh, one thing I do want to say, though, when we talk about this, I, I think it's important that we give a brief mention, and maybe sometime we get into this a lot further um, sometime in the future, but the, the D3 model prides itself on being a national tournament. The problem is when you look at the men's and women's side, anything that the Texas teams are in, the ASC, the SCAC, it's a Region 10 tournament. This really is, for all intents and purposes, a regional. And that's just not what the D3 sells is their format. Right. And, and, and uh, you know, you look at the national bracket – on both the men's and women's sides, and you're going to see a lot of interesting matchups. Um, on the women's side, Vassar, who's from you know New York, is going on to play Washington and Lee in Virginia. Um, you know, the NCAA has a 500-mile rule, and we could do a whole podcast on this, but the NCAA has a 500-mile rule, so you know they can bus teams within 500 miles. They want to save on flights, so anything within 500 miles is, is kind of fair game, and they try to see how best they can create cross-region matchups. With the isolation in Texas, it, it leaves them, you know, a little bit uh, in a tough spot with that. But you're absolutely right, Corey, because it's it's a difficult thing. Um, in the case of, let's just say, you know, Abilene with, with the women's side, uh, Harden, Simmons, and Mary Harden Baylor could meet in the second round. That would make it for the third straight Saturday that these two teams have played each other. Uh, yeah, I, I think everyone would agree that that's probably not a positive uh, it, you would like to see them split up if possible. And, and I think that's definitely the challenge from a lot of people in Region 10's perspective is they look at this bracket, they see all these, you know, somewhat national uh, matches with a team from Region 3 going to Region 6 or Region 4 to Region 7. And those are really cool, but we don't get those in Texas. And it creates a tough situation for the teams in these pods who essentially have to knock each other out uh, and, and face a lot of teams they've already played in non-conference play. Uh, so, yeah, definitely not an easy situation here in Texas as it relates to the national landscape of Division Three. And by the way, 500 miles, if you're able to average 60 miles an hour, that's eight hours and 20 minutes. That's a long drive. Right? And so we're talking a lot. It, it, and, and I think now let Division Three, Harden-Simmons host. But we'll just make this a whole big kind of a Division <laughs> thing here. Because Harden-Simmons got the host. There were a few people I talked to that convinced me that Harden Simmons was going to host. Um, I will say if Hard if Harden Simmons didn't host, 
Corey Hogue had all kinds of stuff lined up about how can a team that's the regular season conference champion and the tournament champion have to travel to a rival's location? Because a lot of people thought it would be in Belton. So how why how is that fair? They would then have to travel to a rival's location. Thank goodness that didn't happen, Riley. And and I want to say I think part of this is they they let Harden Simmons host, which means they had to do a, another flight. Which I think that new agreement the NCAA came to with the the broadcasting rights and the. Uh, exorbitant amount of money extra they got and the percentage that's going to go to division two and division three we might be seeing some of that help kind of break some of this up in a way yeah it is very possible uh you know there's certainly uh, uh the chance that maybe that's what created a situation where they could use a fourth flight um normally they're they're kind of held you know, there's there's not a set number of flights that they can use, but but typically it's they try to minimize them. And so in a lot of cases, and, and I was one of those people, Corey, who in doing bracketology really thought that they were going to fly the the three teams from the West Coast, which they had to. There was really no other option there, but drive Millsaps to Belton and create a pod of Trinity, Mary Harden, Baylor, Millsaps, and Harden Simmons. Uh, you know, I think there's there's multiple ways you can look at this from a National Division three perspective. A lot of people. Um, including myself to an extent, wanted to see that flight used in a different way uh, than to fly Millsaps. But within this context of what we're talking about, I think Harden Simmons has the better resume, obviously. And, and so as a result, uh, that's what put them in this position where I think the committee saw they did have that resume, didn't want them to have to go to Mary Harden Baylor. I think I would even say it could have been different if this was between Harden Simmons and Trinity, maybe, um, where it's not a conference rival situation. Um, I think they wanted to avoid Harden-Simmons having to go back to Belton and uh, as a result, use that flight. So it's good to see for Division Three that they are using these flights. And, and, and we also heard from the committee chair, they wanted to use one more flight. It was denied, but I think it's a good sign of the fact that the committee is trying to push the envelope a little bit and, and see how far they could go to maybe get even five flights um, hanging to next year, possibly. I like it. Anything more that, that'll make it better and we can, we, maybe get to more of a formula that you sell us on, which is not the case in Texas. I'm all for, uh, and, and yes, great job. Harden Simmons host, but we still have three Texas teams in one pot. Exactly. And so now you basically, if, if Harden Simmons beats Occidental, it's, it's basically the state of Texas championship. This tends to happen a lot early in the NCAA uh, in division three Riley and for me I it is the only region and I get it where it isolated division three and this and that if you're gonna do this why not just have all the regions right or or play three rounds somewhere we talked about that too division two has three rounds and we can talk about that more as uh you know division two playoffs start getting closer in a couple of weeks but get back on topic here. UMHB Trinity. I want. I, I'm curious your thoughts on that one there, uh, because that could be that could be one of the best games we've seen in a while. 
Yeah, I really could. I mean, the one thing I think for those of us who are fans of, of Division Three basketball here in the state of Texas, we get some really good matchups. Uh, it's not fair that teams uh, who have to play each other when in reality they, you know, in another part of the country, they wouldn't, they would, you know, the committee would probably avoid them having to face off again. Uh, but it does create for some really interesting, uh, interesting, you know, even rematches uh, in this case, Trinity and Mary Hart and Baylor actually opened the season against each other um, in a really interesting game where Mary Hart and Baylor was leading. And then Trinity scored 36 fourth quarter points and, and ended up coming back and winning that game by 10. Uh, Trinity's a great team. And I think what's what's interesting about this matchup is that these are two teams that both have had their ups and downs throughout this year. Obviously, Marion Baylor um, take you know took some losses as of late. Trinity really has has dealt with the same, though maybe a little bit further back uh, in the season. But you know they they executed credit to Trinity for for winning that SCAC final, getting into the tournament. Had they lost, I'm not sure they would have gotten a pool C bid. So they understood the task at hand and, and found their way in. I think Trinity is best when they can shoot from the outside and get those three-point shots falling. Um, UHB's defense, you know, struggled a little bit against Harden Simmons defending the three. And so I think that's going to be another interesting storyline to see maybe how UMHB uh, approaches this matchup, especially with Trinity being a little bit more guard heavy, especially if Natalie Anderson doesn't play. Uh, so a, a matchup there to, to keep an eye on within uh, this first round duel. Going to be fun. It is going to be absolutely fun rally. Next weekend or this coming weekend, we're both going to be in Abilene. Get on social media, follow us. If you can't be there, follow it on video. I'm sure it'll be broadcast through Harden Simmons' site. Their production crew does a great job. Uh, also glad that they're uh, the camera person uh, down on the end that kind of got hit and dropped the $10,000 camera was okay. And I'm also thankful the $10,000 camera was okay. I personally was more concerned about the, the production crew member I'm not saying everyone was. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's fun. Uh, <laughs> Lone Star Conference, Riley, this mm -hmm. is insane. Because with one week left, some teams have one game. Some teams have two. Some teams are meeting on Tuesday night, Thursday night. Some are meeting Thursday, Saturday. Some only play on Thursday. It's all discombobulated my schedule this week. But there is a chance that these teams are tied come Saturday night. St. Edwards, Eastern New Mexico, Angelo State, Texas A&M International, Cameron, and UTPB. Six teams, and there's only five spots. One of those teams is going to be left out. So I decided to do crazy stuff and start trying to figure out tiebreaker scenarios, not for seeding. I don't have the brain power for that anymore because I did it for who's getting in the tournament. If here's the scenarios, Riley, you tell me we, we could talk about each one of these kind of a little <laughs> bit to break it up. All right, here's what's got to happen on the first scenario. Let's say St. Edwards 0-2, Eastern New Mexico 0-2, Angelo State 0-1, Tammy U 1-0, Cameron 1-0, UTPB 1-0. That leaves a six-way tie for five spots. 
the tiebreaker is most wins, best record against the other opponents that are tied. Angelo State gets through. They are five and three. They would have the best record there. Then you go to the second group. And now what you do, you take out Angelo State and then you take the other five teams to do the same thing. Right. So that gets St. Edwards in. In this scenario, it goes all the way down to Eastern New Mexico and UTPB having a win over DBU and Cameron having lost to DBU. In the six way tie scenario, Angelo, St. Ed's, Tamu, ENMU, UTPB are in, and Cameron is out. Does, does that make sense to start with? Yeah, it, it, that is a uh, – I'm glad you broke that down because I, I think that <laughs> that would have taken a lot of us some serious time to, to try to figure all that out. But, yeah, it, Kim, I mean, a six-way tie, I, that's almost unheard of. Oh, um, it, obviously, it obviously, that would take some, some serious help from Western New Mexico there <laughs> uh, at the bottom. So we'll see. But, uh, you know, you can't rule out anything on the last week of the regular season. I'm not saying it's going to happen. <laughs> but I've got to play in these scenarios. <laughs> All right. Because let's face it. Um, so in that case, basically Riley, let, let's what it really breaks down to. If that right now, the teams that are guaranteed in is Angelo state, mm-hmm. right? St. Edwards is guaranteed in Eastern New Mexico. Not necessarily yet. Right. So they're going to need a win. When you look at the magic number, not counting tiebreaker scenarios, St. Ed's, Ian Emu, and Angelo, they're at one, while Tammy U, Cameron, and UTPB sit at two. Yep. All right. So let's say St. Ed's loses both games to St. Mary's. Eastern splits with Western New Mexico. Now that is a very big possibility. Angelo loses the UTPB. Tammy U wins. Over who they have this week, Kingsville. Yep, possible. Cameron beats MSU. Possible. That would be a five-way tie. Eastern New Mexico would be in, then the other five teams. At that, again, Angelo State is four and two against those remaining teams, so they are automatically in. And then it goes back down to who has the better win and UTPB. Their win over DBU is better than Cameron's best win over St. Edwards. So in that case, Cameron is out again. You see where I'm going with this, Riley? We're, we're starting to get a pattern here about who needs help. Yeah, if you're a Cameron fan, uh, yeah, you, you need to really, really be hoping for some help right now because, yeah, that's a they're in a difficult spot. They're in the most difficult spot of any of these teams. Okay. Let's look at the next one. Let's say St. Ed splits with St. Mary's. Let's say Western New Mexico goes on a heater and and defeats E&MO both times. UTPB beats Angelo, Tammy U, and Cameron win. Again, in this one, in this five-way tiebreaker, the interesting thing here is Tammy U has the better. They're three and one. Angelo State's four and three. So Tammy U is the first team in there. Angelo State and Cameron were 0-1 against DBU while ENMU and UTPB defeated them. So then it goes down to the next 
spot, like, you know, the record against all of them, which goes all the way down to Texas A&M International, where Angelo won and Cameron lost. Again, five-way tie here, Cameron is out. It's a pattern. It's a pattern. It is. It is. Okay, so let's go with this. Let's say Texas A&M International, Cameron, and UTPB all end up tied, a three-way tie. Cameron is out. <laughs> That's because Tammy U was two and zero. They beat both Cameron and UTPB, so they have that tiebreaker. And then UTPB's win over DBU is is the next one. That is how that would get decided. So basically, Riley Cameron needs help. They have to win, and they need some help. If you're St. Ed's, Eastern, Angelo, you're locked in pretty much. Tammy U, they've got, let's see, what, one game left, I believe? Or two games? They've played 20. Yeah. Okay, so they've got two games left. So they got they got to win. They, they need to win at least one, of course. Again. Oh, is it two or one? I think it's one. It's one. It's one game left. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. Like, the way I had to word this all out is why I'm getting confused with it right now. Because <laughs> I, I did so many multiple scenarios here. Basically, Cameron needs to win and needs help. Tammy, you wins and they're in. Yep. UTPB wins and they're in. That pretty much is what it comes down to this week. And on Tuesday night is St. Edward's against St. Mary's. It begins Tuesday night. Thursday night are a lot. And then Saturday it finishes up. It's going to be fun, Riley, because we're – I love the on-campus feel. That was fantastic last weekend. I also have a fondness for the Comerica Center and the feel you get at that place. It's different. But it is cool. Yeah, I mean, it, I, 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 you know, I've, I've always gone back and forth, but to a degree, I think it's cool when you have one location that's you know kind of preset um, that everyone knows they're they're going to. It, it just brings everyone together uh, in, in a little bit of a different way, and it's a great a great venue um, to to watch basketball as well, which certainly certainly adds to it. You know, this is a it's a you know you'll enjoy it as a fan just seeing it. Uh, and I think for both, you know, for all the teams involved, they enjoy playing there as well. So, you know, kind of uh, a win-win all the way around when it comes to to hosting at the Comerica's there. Oh, it is. And before Comerica, they were in Allen uh, at that arena for a while. It was really good there. But my parents, uh, they used to have, they would book their hotel room the day they checked out after the Lone Star Conference tournament. They, they had a hotel room. They went there. They went to every conference tournament, every game, you know, mainly to watch MSU if they were there, which at the time they were. But more importantly, they just love seeing all these teams and all these games, right? They're fans. Me, I'm a sports writer. Of course I appreciate being able to book my hotel room in advance and then see if I can get a better price throughout the year. It's a game, right? But from a fan's point of view – and again, last weekend, all both tournaments at Harden Simmons, 
was a lot of fun, Riley. It it was a fantastic weekend of basketball. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it, it's really cool to have seen the the Harden Simmons students and fans uh, show up in the way that they did. Uh, you know, you certainly like to see that. That's kind of what completes the atmosphere is when you do have the host school, especially, uh, you know, bring such an attendance in. Well, they do. And you'll see that that football team's going to show up on Friday and they're going to make loads of noise. And uh, who knows? You might learn a few new words along the way. <laughs> I, I love it. I love the passion. Bring it. It's going to be a fun weekend. Riley, safe travels to you, my friend, as you head to Abilene. I, I'm looking forward to sitting there. We'll We'll be able to mess with uh, Grubbs a little bit and his staff and keep them on their toes. Exactly. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun, Corey. I'm looking forward to it. There's nothing like the NCAA tournament when, when you cock, you know, small college basketball. And uh, this is a fun time of the year, right? Everyone's still got their season in front of them in the 64-team field. And uh, it's going to be – we're going to see some great matchups there as well. And that may be complex. Can hold some noise. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We want to say thank you to all of you who tune in and listen. We appreciate you. Please like, subscribe, share wherever you find this on the Zone Star State Network. Without you, we're not doing any of this. So thank you so much for tuning in. For Riley Zayas, I'm Corey Hogan. Until we speak again, be safe.